This is the Theology Matters podcast. I'm here today with Murray Ray and Fari Timu, who were both part of our research workshop on the religion in the built environment this past year. And this is a new season of the podcast in which I'm bringing together members from, from that year to come back together a few months later and talk about where their projects are going, questions they've had that have continued to uh, arise since that time of the workshop and where they're going with their work. Give a bit of a background on, on both. Both uh, Fari and Murray are from Aotearoa, New Zealand. Uh, Fari is an architect based in Auckland, New Zealand and he advocates simplicity, low impact, and natural solutions in design and planning. He has a deep understanding of the indigenous customs of the Maori peoples, applying his own knowledge of the Maori worldview where applicable. His CTI project is based on a real-life project of redesigning the Taputarangi Mare in Wellington, exploring indigenous Maori design principles to understand how these can be developed in developing alternative settlement patterns as a form for creating intentional community. In a moment, I'll give a more of a background on Murray Ray, but maybe to start with you, Fari, uh, tell me a bit about your own background and how you originally became interested to become an architect. Hi, tēnā koe, Josh. Tēnā tēnā tātou katoa. Ai, whakaro aki nei ki tēnei o ngā koipapa, um, koira, um, he wahi tumata nui, uh, te punua paho CTI, uh, irongi nga korero anga matua nei, a matua tipuna nei, uh, kua whaka, whakapuaki nei i roto o tine o nga waia. So, kia ora everyone, um, just a little greeting there, um, to give an acknowledgement to everyone and to the, uh, to the podcast of CTI. Um, ko whare tamu toki ingoa, my name is whare tamu. Uh, I am a descendant of a man named Kahununu. Uh, ara, uh, ko Tarangi Koyana ki te hapu, ko Kahurana ki te maunga, ko Tukituki te awa, ko Tākitumu te waka, ara ko Ngāti Kahununu ahau. Um, so I come from a mountain named Kahurana ki, I come from a sub-tribe called Tarangi Koyana ki, I come from a river called uh, Tukituki, I come from a waka named Tākitamu, which is a, a canoe. And I come from the big iwi of Kahununu, uh, which is the, the east coast of the North Island of New Zealand. Uh, so kia ora, uh, kia ora Josh. Um, yeah, so uh, as you know, I'm, I'm based here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, yeah, born and bred uh, as a native, as an indigenous uh, Maori, um, growing up in the east coast of the North Island of, of, of uh of New Zealand, um, but uh, most of my practicing life, I've been based in the capital uh, in Wellington, in central uh, central New Zealand, uh, where I studied architecture and then ultimately stayed uh, to then continue my practicing uh, world in architecture. So uh, my background um, is kind of a mixed bag. So I've um, wherever I tend to work, I, I, I tend to bring my cultural background with me, um, no, no matter how big or large or small scale of projects that I end up working in. Um, I've been lucky enough to work across kind of multiple sectors and markets, um, you know, ranging from commercial to large scale housing, um, right through to um, exhibition design, um, you know, on, on both local and national scales. Um, and yeah, each one of those of, you know, uh, my cultural background, my, my indigenous kind of upbringing um, touches quite deeply and heavily on, 
on my design thinking um, and how I how I kind of convey and portray ideas. So for me, it's it's about um, yeah, you know, I've I've always considered myself as a designer. Always been interested in the arts, uh, interested in, in in our built environment, um, but also haven't seen enough uh, reflected in terms of my culture uh, through the built environment here here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, and so I would like to kind of contribute um, a more positive impact uh, to our built environment and how people like myself, you know, um, they see their see their culture quite strongly within themselves. Um, can be more reflected in our in our buildings. Thanks. That's a wonderful introduction. Uh, and just to join joining in the conversation is also Murray Ray, who is professor of theology at the University of Otago in New Zealand. Murray, maybe introduce yourself and, and as Fari did, how you came, became interested in architecture and, and also theology. Uh, thanks, Josh, and uh, kia ora. Fare, greetings to everybody who's listening uh, to the podcast. So I did part of my growing up in Malaysia, where I was child of missionary parents. And as I walked to school each day, uh, primary school years, I walked past building sites and were just fascinated by them, really. So it became a childhood passion, really, to investigate these building sites. And health and safety regulations weren't all that good back in the day. There was no security fencing around the building sites or whatever. So after school, I'd just wander in quite often and snoop around, climb up the scaffolding, and just was fascinated by the whole process of, of buildings going together. So I resolved then that when I grew up, I wanted to be a builder. And a bit later on, I discovered what an architect was, and I decided that that would be even more fascinating, really, not only to, to construct buildings, but to design them, to conceive them. And that passion just developed really through my school years. And uh, I, I trained as an architect in, in Auckland and then practiced for three years uh, as an architect in Auckland, doing some housing projects, a little bit of school work, um, some church work, commercial fit outs and so on. Um, but while I was training to be an architect at the Auckland School of Architecture, I felt very strongly called to Christian ministry. And so I knew that my work life as an architect was going to be quite short um, before I uh, gave that away and came down to Dunedin, studied theology and philosophy and, and so on. But my passion for architecture has, has not diminished. And fortunately, my, my job as a, as a theologian has enabled me to combine those two interests, theology and architecture. Um, and initially, that stimulated interest in church, church architecture, uh, quite obviously. But uh, it then broadened because I recognized actually that the whole of our built environment is theologically interesting. Um, the way we build represents more or less an alignment with God's purposes for creation, for our life together as humanity. And I quickly discovered that architects too are very much concerned not just with the technical aspects of building buildings, but with how those buildings enhance our life together, contribute to the well-being of humanity, um, help us to inhabit responsibly the created order, the environment, and so on. So all of those issues and concerns sort of came together with my two interests in theology and architecture. And so it's it's been a lifetime, really, of, of pursuing the kind of overlap between these two disciplines. Thanks for that, Murray. Now, if I can get both of you to talk a bit about the project you've been working on at CTI, just in the most basic terms, you know, what, what the, the themes are, 
the purposes of it. And I turn to you first, Fari, maybe to, to talk about the, the project mm, you're working on. Yeah, um, so I've been working on a project back here at home. Um, it was, uh, yeah, the, the name of the project is called Tapu Teranga. Um, the name of my my thesis was um, it's called Rebuild of Tapu Teranga. Um, and it was a facility, a cultural facility um, in Wellington um, that was sadly burnt down a couple of years ago, um, but was considered a bit of a part of the furniture um, um, within Wellington and, and the communities of Wellington um, really relied upon it, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a hub, a cultural hub um, for a lot of programs, for a lot of youth programs, uh, church programs, um, the Boys and Girls Institute, uh, Scouts, um, and, and ran a, a lot of schooling programs um, locally and nationally. Um, but the marae itself is... Um, was a facility uh, uh, that encapsulated and incorporated really strong Māori narrative and cultural um, protocol in, in tikanga. Um, it was considered a, what we call an urban marae. So um, for those who aren't familiar, um, a marae is a, is a cultural hub, uh, a cluster of buildings that we have back here at home um, that make up of you know, homes and houses um, of sleeping units and sleeping quarters. But in the centre of it, you have a, a cultural conference uh, nerve centre called the Wharenui, uh, which its literal translation means the big house. And Tapitaranga had a big, massive house. So uh, it was considered one of the, the biggest and tallest timber structures to, to ever be built, um, over 10 storeys high, completely out of recycled timber, um, covered over... Um, so I'm just I'm just thinking of metrics here, but I think it was 22,000 square feet in area. Um, yeah, and, and like I said, it was was considered one of the tallest wooden structures built on timber and, and timber piling in the world, actually. Um, and yeah, and so it was sadly built down, um, burnt down a couple of years ago, um, just accidentally. And uh, um, so my project is to rebuild um, uh, what it was. To be able to kind of capture the, I suppose, the spirit and the wairua of what Tapitaranga was, um, because a lot of people considered it as a home, um, uh, and uh, you know had had strong connections to it. Uh, there were a lot of artwork that were gifted um, to the facility that obviously went down with it, um, but some of it was salvaged and saved. Um, where there's opportunities to kind of Bring, bring all of that back to life. Um, it's quite hard. Um, the challenge for this project was to build it, you know, build, you know, the same facility again, but given, you know, there's new constraints and new regulations and um, it did have issues with um, consenting the, 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 the structural integrity of the building. Um, so it's almost quite impossible to, to rebuild the exact same 10-storey timber structure um, in today's world. So um, the idea for my project was to um, work with the local council, the local authorities um, uh, to understand, um, you know, what, what the building can, can still have and still be built, um, you know, how many spaces we can build, um, because we're in an interesting kind of period at the moment uh, with our local authorities, where they're going through a bit of a revision 
um, through the you know regulatory planning uh, restraints and constraints. Uh, and uh, this was an opportunity to use this as a case study, not only just because of the building, you know, um, and being able to uh, build at this large scale again, but mostly because of the cultural um, cultural connections and narratives that it brought forward, and being able to work with local councils um, to start incorporating um, Tao Māori and a Māori world perspective into our district plans um, to be able to understand uh, what cultural protocol can look like, um, both on at, at a housing scale, but also at a, at a urban scale as well. Um, so yeah, so that, that was practically the gist of my project. Um, the the sense here was um, is to to encapsulate what it means to think Maori, I suppose, and a lot of our uh, spatial planning. Um, it's quite spiritual and really connected to the land and to the waterways and to everything around us. Um, and it's it heavily relies on balance rather than kind of plonking a building on top um, for kind of commercial gain or anything like that. But it's more about how do we create balance with our built environment, with our natural environment. Um, so this, yeah, so using this as a case study was really um, an opportunity to to yeah, speak to the Te Ao Māori perspective uh, when it comes to our, our district planning and our district zoning uh, of, of, you know, urban built environment. Um, yeah, uh, the building was built back in the 1970s, um, started by a guy named Bruce Stewart, um, who um, unfortunately has passed on a couple of years ago. Um, but he ran it as a, as a training, trade training initiative. So, so he actually got... Um, when he was released out of prison, um, his idea was to start fresh and to be able to recruit um, other lost Māori souls, he, he would say, um, into um, kind of trade training schemes um, and building schemes. And he used this um, as an excuse to, yeah, to, to, um, to bring young Māori men into, into working in, 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 into the workforce, um, training them up to be laborers to be, you know, to be able to survey land, survey the land, um, to work with the council as well, uh, in order to give funding. Um, and I think at the time, our prime minister of the time, uh, Robert Muldoon, was also quite heavily involved, um, just just indirect, indirectly with uh, with Bruce, but um, being able to uh, create Maori-led initiatives, uh, they created more opportunities for for more Maori men to to take part in. Um, so yeah, it was you know it was a really strong idea, you know, um, conceptually, but it was also a really strong idea, um, quite politically as well. Um, and and yeah, but but the cool thing about this was that it um, it interwove you know the the kind of commitments of young Maori men working together with Bruce to build something special and unique for the community of Wellington. In a moment, yeah. I'd like to maybe get see if Murray has kind of a, a response even. And that, that wasn't what I initially mentioned. But if after you talk maybe about or at some point, Murray, when you talk about your project, if there were themes that you picked up from Fari's project the, this past semester that, that are kind of um, you're still interested in or that you, that you learn from. But maybe before that, Murray, if you could talk about you know, just your project as, as, as it were during this, this workshop. Sure, Josh, thank you. Um, so my project was uh, to develop a theology of the city, and I've begun writing a book on that theme. 
Um, and I'm interested in the moral and theological character of the city, which, as I mentioned before, the things we build can be more or less aligned with God's good purposes for us. Cities can be expressions of human hubris and defiance, as we see in the familiar story of Cain building the city of Enoch, tellingly described as built away from the presence of the Lord uh, in Genesis. Uh, or we're familiar with the story of the city of Babel, for example, another instance of human hubris. Um, or what we can build can be dedicated to the glory of God. It can offer shelter, refuge, care for the vulnerable, and so on. Cities can be places of peace and of justice, and they can also be places of vice and deprivation. So investigating the kind of biblical imperatives around city building is, is what my project is concerned with. We're familiar, of course, with the injunction in the book of Jeremiah to seek the welfare of the city. So my question partly is, what does that entail? And again, the Bible gives a lot of guidance on city building, providing for the vulnerable is, is crucial, offering hospitality to the stranger is vital, caring for the widow and the orphan. The Bible offers guidance on sustainable food production the equitable distribution of resources, speaks about cities of refuge, refuge uh, about the value of beauty in our built environment, speaks of the importance of places of worship, and so on. So there's a lot there to mine from scripture when we think about uh, constructing our cities, constructing our, our built environments. Um, and in New Zealand just now, we have some massive challenges around the provision of adequate housing. There's a shortage of housing and a range of associated problems associated with that. Uh, housing unaffordability for many people, for example, substandard housing that causes health problems uh, for those who live in them and so on. So these are the sorts of concerns, I think, that fall under the prophetic injunction to seek the welfare of the city. Conversely, of course, our cities and the way we build them reveal a good deal about where our priorities lie. Uh, they reveal things about our values and about our theology. Is the formation of our built environment determined largely by commercial interests, for example? How much attention do we give to public space and to the well-being of the community as a whole? Do we create ghettos that accentuate economic and ethnic segregation and so lead to social dysfunction and so on? Now, of course, cities are very complex systems. So careful attention needs to be paid to how we construct them. And it seems to me there's a great deal to learn by paying attention to the biblical imperatives about what makes a good city. So that really is the, is the nature of my project that just got underway through the workshop at CTI. And it'll be uh, a work I'll be continuing with over the next couple of years as I, as I write this book. It's a turn now to, yeah, to both of you to see what are some of the biggest questions that have sort of still been in your mind from the workshop, biggest things you learned from various participants in it, uh, ideas that you wanted to run by one another that maybe you haven't had time to uh, since we, we closed the workshop, uh, maybe turn to Fari first. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, for me, <clears throat> in terms of my research was, um, firstly, you know, like, um, you know, how how will people benefit from my thesis? But, um, you know, uh, in framing my questions in my scope, um, uh, one of the biggest things that 
I needed to understand was the, the framework around um, this idea of decolonizing methodologies. So uh, quite a big term to be used, but um, uh, it's something that I really took on and embedded myself into once I started this, this research. Um, but what it was, was basically just looking into the research of indigenous peoples. Um, it was written by a Māori woman, uh, Linda Tuhiwai-Smith, um, who's an academic uh, in Hamilton. And I, I've followed quite a bit of her work, um, but not at this kind of depth or at this rate. But um, what it did do is it helped me frame an understanding of um, what she calls European imperialism and colonialism, particularly in the field of research. And to, to really understand the research process um, uh, was for me to, to understand that approach and how you know this was going to be an undertaking. But what that book showed me was, was how deep our learnings, our education, the way that we find knowledge, how we disseminate it is embedded in the Western tradition of knowledge. Um, and what it kind of provided me to do was to break it down and to use <clears throat> um, you know, certain aspects of my thesis that gave a bit of a, a breath of fresh air, um, particularly with, with speaking with the likes of our councils and our, and our kind of district authorities um, and what it might mean to build a little differently, um, to kind of strip back everything um, that, you know, that, that we kind of understand as the built environment today and how we build. Um, so, yeah, so that was, that was really um, quite a big thing. Um, uh so so for my for my undertaking um it explains the kind of western tradition of knowledge is grounded in the idea of positivism you know so the idea that research is an objective and value-free activity that can can make sense of a human and natural reality whereas what i what i tried to introduce was the idea of um the anti-positivism and that anti-positivism is deeply aligned with the concept of of what we'd say, kaupapa Māori, you know, in chao uh, tikanga Māori, so the way that Māori customs and protocols are carried out and frames the way that we see the world around us um, as an idea. So, yeah, um, so really, really academic, but um, gave me a good kind of social sense and a social science and a theoretical stance um, to propose how I could approach, the, you know, this, um, this kind of, this, this project at this scale um, with this kind of urban complexity, um, with a different uh, viewpoint in, in standing. Right, because I, I, just to clarify, you know, you're you're thinking of these academic ideas, and you're you're working on a, a, pro, a sort of writing project, but you're also actually doing a real world architecture project dealing with yeah. you know different cultures, uh, kind of in, in you know in an interaction and trying to sort of learn how to negotiate those differences. Would that be accurate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, and um, you know, so so it's it, it, yeah. It, first of all, you you know, you got to understand well, what is the position. So, uh, you know, I needed to understand how I could um, bring people along, you know, their journey. Um, even though it's a, it's a really practical project as well, um, but it, it you know, uh, for me, you know, the concepts and the language that I use it needs to be kind of set in a really profound way otherwise I, you know I'm just kind of doing the same thing so I really wanted to come at it quite differently and so um, really embedding myself back into my own culture um, kind of revisiting 
certain terminology and, and, and words and concepts of Tao Māori, um, we have never really done that before in my practicing life. Um, so it was, it was quite a challenge for me um, to, to, to break that all down. Um, mm. But then to be able to move forward in a, in a practical sense is also the other challenge. So, you know, so I, I really to need, uh, you know, in, in most aspects, I, I need to speak kind of real words that are spoken by real people. Um, so, you know, I did my best to um, kind of bring people along the journey. Um, when I spoke about that idea of anti-positivism, like what does that actually mean in a Tao Māori sense? So what I did is I, I tend to use um, quite common Māori words that are used by everyday New Zealanders. Um, so I broke, it, I broke it down to three concepts, um, you know, for the rebuild of Tapatiranga, the first one being kotahitanga. Kotahi uh, means to be united. Um, to be as one, um, but for this project, it was around creating that idea of collective responsibility, um, and that became a, a core principle for this project that, that the likes of the councils can understand. The second one was manakitanga, you know, being able to um, to care and be generous, so create a hosted experience, which Tapitaranga Marae was all about. You know, he created a hosted experience for everyone that, that stood foot onto the facility. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then the third one is Wairuatanga. So their spiritual, you know, their spiritual um, connection. Um, yeah. and, and the spiritual connection um, happened to be where the location of the of Tapataranga is, which is the land. Um, and it's always better to be there in person rather than me talk about it because it is quite a beautiful site. Um, and it's unfortunate that I can't show photos, but even those can, can't explain the, the true beauty um, and the true essence of this of this project, which is the land that it sits on, with you know, with its native flora and fauna around it. Um, it's a big, massive site, you know. So there's a lot there um, in terms of the connection with the land um, and creating that spiritual tie um, that grounds the project as well. And to Murray as well, some of the, the biggest ideas that sort of maybe where you changed your mind or ideas you're still grappling with since we were in the workshop. Sure. Well, I, I particularly appreciated the interdisciplinary nature of the conversations. And of course, that's one of the big strengths of, of the CTI workshops, that it brings together people from, from different disciplines. And that's always stimulating and challenging, of course. Um, I don't know a lot about Islamic traditions of architecture, for example, but the contributions of Tammy Gaber to our workshop have stimulated, stimulated my interest in that area. But I was particularly struck by the stories we heard of faith-based housing initiatives. We heard from Stefan de Beer, for instance, about the work of churches in Pretoria that have become involved in a range of housing initiatives, providing affordable and healthy homes for vulnerable inhabitants of the city. And of course, we've heard about Fari's involvement in the Tapataranga rebuild, um, which will include affordable housing options. And the values that, that Fari was talking about, uh, Whanaungatanga, uh, Kutahitanga, Manakitanga, and so on. We might add things like Kaitiakitanga, which is care for the environment. All these values align very closely with the same kinds of concerns, I think, that we see emerging from, from scripture. And that's not surprising because the values that Fari talks about emerge from Māori spiritual sensibility, and they align very closely with, with a lot of biblical uh, concerns. Uh, 
So learning about these housing initiatives um, has been very stimulating. There was a bit of a spin-off from the workshops that Will Storer organised, setting up a series of what he called knowledge exchange conversations, um, and as well as hearing more about Stefan de Beer's involvement in the Pretoria projects. We also heard from uh, Christians in Baltimore who've become involved in some really impressive projects, regenerating vast areas of the central city, providing quality housing and so on. Um, often there's a, there's a process that's called gentrification, where old rundown areas of the city are kind of reclaimed and rebuilt and so on. But an important part of that process is the inhabitants that are there, who are often quite vulnerable, are forced out of those central city areas um, and they're regenerated for the wealthy. We've seen that happening uh, in cities in, in New Zealand as well. Now, the Baltimore projects actually rebuild and regenerate those rundown areas for the sake of the inhabitants who are already there. And that, that's very impressive, I think, and, and emerges from that kind of Christian conviction to care for the vulnerable, the marginalised and so on. So learning about those initiatives has been very stimulating for me, for me um, including for my own church here in Dunedin, actually. We, we have an earthquake-prone building, which is sitting on a reasonable amount of land. And currently we've moved out of the buildings because they've been deemed an earthquake risk and so unsafe. And so we're facing the challenge now of, of what to do with our buildings, what to do with our land. And there's a whole range of factors come into play. I'm quite concerned, for example, about the fact that this, uh, this sits on land that was initially belonged to Tangata Whenua, to the Māori people of New Zealand. And I want to be able to respect that in whatever we continue to do with this land. Um, I'm conscious of the housing challenges in New Zealand right now. So um, the, the stimulation of the CTI workshop is, is uh, continuing to impact upon my own thinking about how we, how we deal with the, the buildings and the land that we have in the church I belong to here in Dunedin. Well, I want to thank you both, uh, Fari Timu and Murray Ray, for being on the Theology Matters podcast, and more importantly, for being involved in the, the research workshop on the built environment at CTI this past year. So thanks to you both. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Thank thanks, you both. Fari. Thank you, Josh. Kia ora.